Hello and welcome to the Church Times podcast. This week, we bring news of an exciting new competition, Theology Slam, which aims to find young voices who think theologically about the contemporary world. Adam Beckett brings us up to speed with the Labour Party conference, where Jeremy Corbyn seems to have been paying attention to Christians in his party. And Madeleine Davies talks about the church and housing estates. Don't forget you can subscribe to the Church Times and get 10 issues for £10. Go to churchtimes.co.uk slash subscribe. First, all of us are theologians, says the Archbishop of Canterbury. Young voices, unheard voices, need to be nurtured in the practice of reflecting on faith and the wider world. His comments were made in an endorsement of a new competition, Theology Slam, which seeks new young voices who think theologically about real-life issues. I spoke to one of its organisers, David Shervington of SCM Press, to find out more. Well, the the hope with this really is that we we start to um, discover new voices who, as you say, are able to to think theologically and critically about what's going on in our contemporary world. So what we really wanted to do was combine a competition about theological thinking uh, with a competition about communication. And who, who's eligible to enter this competition? Is it, is it just ordained people or academic theologians? Uh, no, absolutely not. It's, it's anybody. Um, we're really keen that even if you don't have any kind of theology degree, even if you don't have any kind of degree at all, you can still speak theology. Theology is, is literally just talking about God, isn't it? So you can have a theological perspective on the world around you, um, regardless of, of what uh, kind of formal education you've had in it. So as long as you are between uh, the ages of 18 and, and 30, you are eligible to enter and uh, we'd love you to, to participate and see whether this kind of way of thinking about the world is, is something that you're interested in and want to explore more and, uh, and find out more about. And what practically do people have to do to enter? There's, there's two rounds, aren't there? There are two rounds, yeah. So the first round, we're asking for people to, to do a 500-word uh, piece. Um, you know, not an essay, but something that's, that's sparky and interesting and uh, starts to explore uh, the topic uh, from a theological perspective. We've got a range of topics um, that we've got listed. Um, they're available on the, on the webpage, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but... There are things like theology and uh, artificial intelligence, theology and social media, theology and that hashtag MeToo um, thing on Twitter, theology and Netflix. So there's, there's hopefully a broad range for everybody to kind of engage with. That's that's the idea. So we're asking um, people to, to do a 500 word piece on these things. And then in the back of their mind, they need to, to be aware that in the second round, which we'll get on to, uh, that will then be turned into a seven uh, to ten minute talk. Uh, about that theme but um, as I say this is this is not just about writing it's also about communication so we'd also like to see a a kind of maybe up to about 90 seconds uh, introductory video film it on your smartphone uh, whatever Uh, just introduce who you are maybe explain a bit about why you're interested in the topic but all we really want with that is just to to find out how you present yourself and uh, and and what what kind of uh, how, how good you are at communicating verbally and that sort of thing. And that can just be filmed on, on an iPhone. It doesn't yeah. have to have lots of... No, 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 no. We just, you know, we're just as simple as, as, as you like, really. But uh, but we just want to, to see you. We want to see you sort of talking and uh, and know what you're like in terms of how engaging you are. 
And once all the entries come in, who's who's going to be sort of sifting them and, and looking at them to see which ones can go through to the next round? Uh, so we're sifting um, amongst um, quite a few of us. Um, we do have a judging panel, and and some of that judging panel will be involved in the shortlisting. Um, all of them will be involved in the final bit. There's there's four in our sort of main panel. Um, they are uh, Dr. Eve Poole, the um, Third Church Estates Commissioner, uh, John Swinton, uh, Mark Green from London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. Um, with whom I should say we're, we're, we're doing this, uh, along with uh, uh, Isabel Hamley, um, who's representing um, Lamp of Palace. She's the, she's the uh, chaplain to the Archbishop. Uh, and the community of St Anselm, which are based at Lamp of Palace, are also very much involved in this project. So uh, so that's the four um, folks who are going to be involved at the judging stage at the end of the process and also uh, helping us come up with three uh, finalists before the final. The three who are chosen will go through to a final on the 7th of March. What's, yep. what's going to happen there? Uh, at that final, um, there will be the opportunity for you to present your piece. It'll be probably rooted in what you wrote right at the very beginning of the process in your 500-word piece, but it'll be a 7- to 10-minute talk. We're thinking something along the lines of a kind of TED Talk style, you know, that kind of really punchy, mm. um, probably quite provocative approach. Mm. Um, this will be filmed um, to be transmitted on social media. Yep. Yep, so, so we'd, we'd love these videos to be sort of bandying around a bit um, uh, just to engage a, a really big audience. And there will be training as well. For those finalists, um, we're offering, I think, a half-day training with somebody who, who, who is a specialist in training this kind of speaking. So you'll be primed and ready and able, and hopefully that'll be a really useful skill to be able to communicate some quite perhaps potentially quite complex or or confusing either, you know, complex theological ideas or, or complex ideas about society. But conveying them in a sort of straightforward and mm. punchy and exciting way. The judging panel there on the night, they'll be, will they be sort of interrogating the people's ideas or, or you know, yeah. probing what they're saying? Yeah, so they'll be, uh, they'll be doing a bit of probing. There'll be some, uh, a certain amount of controlled probing from the audience as well. And yeah, there'll be the opportunity to hear feedback from those judges. And the judges on the night itself, which we'll be um, talking about getting tickets for that at a later stage, but, but, but the judges, um, John Swinton and Eve Poole, will hopefully be uh, presenting something of their own at that event as well. So it should be a really special evening um, and so people want to find out more there's there's a website isn't there where they people can apply yep they can go uh, to a page on the church times website and they can find uh, all the details there and there's the uh, terms and conditions find out more about theology slam at churchtimes.co.uk slash theology hyphen slam next the labor leader jeremy corbyn used his keynote conference speech on wednesday to endorse justin welby's recent call for radical tax reform Adam, you've been following this week's Labour Party conference. Can you just give us a bit of a rundown of Jeremy Corbyn's speech on Wednesday, which you, you've written a story on in this week's paper? Jeremy Corbyn used his keynote speech to call for an end of greed is good capitalism. And as part of that, he referenced uh, the IPPR report, uh, of which the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, was a part of the writing team, the, the panel, which called for radical tax reform and a whole new way of thinking about capitalism in our society. As we saw when the Archbishop of Canterbury addressed the TUC, he's not afraid of talking about social and economic issues. And this has given the Labour Party leadership ammunition against the government. When the head of the church in the country is calling the government to account on social issues and economic issues, the opposition can make hay with it. And that's exactly what they've been doing. It was one of Corbyn's uh, best speeches as leader, uh, and, and I think it really gave the party hope 
for uh, Labour Party in the future, bringing together a new vision of uh, a party moving forward with new economic policies. The shadow chancellor, John McDonnell, also referenced the Archbishop of Canterbury in his speech, uh, joking that um, when the Archbishop of Canterbury gets called a Marxist, he should go to him for advice. Uh, McDonnell has been called a Marxist in the past. And and so it's interesting that the Archbishop of Canterbury has had such a high-profile role in uh, seemingly in, in Labour Party policy recently. And Jeremy Corbyn, he was at the he was at the conference church service that organised by Christians on the Left on Sunday. Yes, uh, quite a coup for Christians on the Left. They got him to uh, sign up to their Love Your CLP campaign, uh, mm. CLP's constituency Labour Party. Uh, Christians on the Left are looking to promote good-hearted debate within the Labour Party and soothe some of the tensions that have risen over Brexit and anti-Semitism uh, in recent months. The Ten Commandments that were launched by the uh, Christians on the left ranged from uh, by the first round um, to just be good-natured in debate. Uh, and, and you detected that perhaps some of those um, commandments made their way into Corbyn's speech, or he certainly seemed influenced by them in some of the language that he used. Yes, well, um, Corbyn needed to present himself as uh, a figure for uh, all of the Labour Party, not just uh, his particular wing of the Labour Party. Uh, and he, he did that in his speech. Uh, he said, we need to foster a much greater culture of tolerance, an end to abuse online and in person. We must learn to listen a bit more and shout a lot less, which is essentially what Christians on the left were saying as well. Uh, they were just, saying be quick to listen, exactly, to speak. Just in a uh, slightly less pithier way. And I think... Well, these are words, not necessarily actions. Uh, we can't. We can only judge him on his words so far. And if that's the way that the Labour Party moves forward, then I think it would be uh, better for, for for everyone within the party. The Bishop of Burnley, Philip North, said on Wednesday that the Holy Spirit is doing amazing things on the estates of this nation, and the Church is joining in. He struck a more upbeat tone than nearly five years ago when he told the General Synod that the Church was complicit in the abandonment of estates. What's changed? I spoke to Madeline Davies. The first time I can remember um, Philip North talking about this was at the General Synod, I think in 2013, when he talked about the difficulty of finding a priest to serve um, in his former parish in a large estate in Hartlepool. Um, and he talked about the disparity between the number of applications for that post, i.e. very few, with um, a very richly endowed parish in Paddington in London. And he suggested this was the way that we could measure the spiritual health of the C of E. Um, and I think sort of over the past five years, he's really been driving um, this kind of strategy to address what he sees as a sort of um, the Church of England being complicit in abandoning estates. And he used very strong language over the years about basically withdrawing priests and money from some of the poorest parts of the country. And so what was he saying in this speech on Wednesday? Is he saying that things have changed for the better? Yeah, so I think the top line was basically the Church of England is back. So a very positive message and quite a contrast to kind of previous interventions that he's made where he's, I think, kind of used the language of trying to wake the church up to this. Um, and when I spoke to him on Tuesday before the launch, he sort of suggested the church had almost gone to sleep on this and it sort of happened without sort of almost realising what was happening and that he feels it didn't take very much to wake the church up to this um, and that now there is a lot of interest in um, supporting ministries on estates and encouraging vocations to those places and one of the signs um, that he cited as evidence of a change is the number of um, very gifted ordinands that he's meeting who are quite passionate about going to serve um, on estates. 
I remember Bishop North saying in the Synod once that he thought too many church plants went for low-hanging fruits, by which I think he meant yeah. students. Um, yeah, he middle, made sort of really people. similar remarks at New Wine last summer, uh, where he really sort of challenged this gathering of, I guess, sort of primarily um, middle-class evangelicals to think about the areas that they are planting into. Um, and I think he has sort of suggested in the past that perhaps church plants have taken place in quite wealthy areas or in city centres rather than looking at places which um, he would say have kind of been neglected by the church. I guess um, the flip side of that is is it just a question of sort of parachuting in middle class Christians to these estates? Is that in some way sort of denying people autonomy or suggesting that leaders can't come from within those places? So he wants to kind of reject this false binary of either we send middle class people to estates or we raise up leaders from within them. He's suggesting it should be both rather than either. I mean, the church could be a bit down if it did, down if it didn't, couldn't it? If you, if you don't plant churches, you're accused of abandoning these estates. If yeah. you do, you're accused of paternalism and yeah. patronising kind of middle class. So I think sort of something which um, there's a network of theologians who are working on a theological foundation for estates. Um, and what they've been really keen to stress um, is that it's not a question of kind of doing evangelism to estates and sending Jesus to the estates. Um, it's the idea that Jesus is obviously already there. Um, the Holy Spirit is already present and working on these estates. And it's just a question of the Church of England joining in with what's already there. Um, so I think there is a real desire to get away from the suggestion that we've got to kind of mm. send the gospel to them. Mm. And he, Bishop North, in your story that's on our website and in the paper this week mentions that the vicar of HTB, Nicky Cumble, has recently expressed his desire that every HTB resource church, the kind of city centre yeah. churches, should plant as quickly as possible into an estate. I mean, has mm. that been happening already? There are some examples of that happening, and they're kind of known as um, kind of grandchildren or second generation plants. So one of the examples I looked at in my article this week is um, St Cuthman and the Whitehort, Whitehawk Estate, which is a plant from St Peter's Brighton, which is one of the mm. first church church plants from HDB and another um, is the HDB plant in Bournemouth has planted onto an estate, um, I think St Clement Boscombe. Um, so those are two examples of where that's already happening. Um, and I sort of interviewed the curate who's at the um, the Brighton church plant of the Whitehawk escape um, in some detail. Mm. Talking of the Bournemouth church plant, that's called Love Church now, isn't it? And yeah. Tim Matthews, who, who set that up, is just written a book. He's writing for us in the coming weeks about... Oh. Um, trying to puncture some of what he sees as the myths about church mm. plants, things like that it's all middle class, they don't engage in social justice work, um, mm. that they're primarily transferring existing Christians, and he's giving some evidence from his congregation and wider evidence to suggest that that's yeah. not the case. I know with the Whitehawk plant, it was about 25 or 30 people actually left St Peter's in Brighton to um, start that church plant, and some of them have, have actually moved on to the estate, because I think it doesn't make a difference living amongst the people that you're in a congregation with, rather than you come to an estate on a Sunday, but you actually live sort of miles away. Um, people have actually moved onto the estate, which I think is quite significant. And I like what Bishop North said about his ministry on estates. It wasn't because he's some kind of hair-shirted liberal. It's because yeah. he, he loved every minute of it. And he, yeah. I think part of his success here is communicating this kind of infectious enthusiasm about this kind of ministry. Yeah, exactly. Um, while also being quite pointed and direct to say things need to change. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also a danger that you can paint estates as his sort of gritty really grim places that you know only a hero would serve in and it's really nice to see him sort of challenge that narrative and say mm. you know how much he enjoyed his time in that parish and I think that was sort of partly why he was so frustrated that it was difficult to find a replacement when he left 
I think it's also interesting that um, Theresa May last week was talking about estates being sidelined from the political discourse mm. um, and suggesting that kind of a stigma is attached to social housing. And I was really interested in the responses in The Guardian where um, one correspondent wrote in to say, you know, there isn't a stigma. The reason there's a massive waiting list is people like social housing. They want to live in a social housing property. So I think sort of some of the narrative around um, what estates are and, you know, whether people do feel um, that there's a stigma attached is sort of more complex than, than perhaps some people realise. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. Thank you.